an initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Thank you, Father Terry, for that overly generous proclamation and on bestowing this honorary doctorate on me. I uh, want to thank, first of all, Father Terry for his extraordinary leadership of this extraordinary institution. When I first came yesterday, he was one of the first people I saw, and he looked at me right in the eye, and he said, welcome home. It sure does feel good to be home. It's great to be with you all today, and first let me acknowledge as well the extraordinary leadership of Father Michael Scanlon, who was president when I was at the university here. I was reflecting on my uh, journey to Steubenville, and perhaps it, it wouldn't have been for the fact that I read a book called Let the Fire Fall years and years ago that this moment may never have happened. Father, thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Let me also acknowledge Dean Wilson. Thank you for the kind invitation. Members of the boards of, of trustees, thank you for your shepherding of the institution. The distinguished faculty and all the guests here, as well as your graduates. I, uh, again, it's a great pleasure to return to my alma mater. I did get invited a few years ago to come here and appear on the television program, Franciscan Focus. So the night before the program was to be taped, I uh, slept at the friary. I saw Father Michael, and he was conducting the interview on the program. And uh, I said, Father, I think it'd be a good idea if we go over some of the topics of discussion tomorrow, for tomorrow. He said, don't worry about it, Jeff, you'll be fine. <laughs> the next morning, I saw Father Michael again, and I said, this was a pretty big moment going on television in Franciscan. I said, Father, I think it'd be a good idea if maybe we unpack a few of the ideas that we're going to discuss on television today. And he said, don't worry about it, Jeff, you'll be fine. <laughs> so I get to the studio. Now I'm appearing with Father Michael Scanlon, Dr. Regis Martin, and Dr. Scott Hahn, two of the most intellectual, critical thinkers in America, as well as a leader of a profound university that is changing lives and changing the world. And they didn't want to talk about what we were about to talk about on television. <laughs> so I had had enough of it, and I pulled them all together. I said, gentlemen, Understand something. I am a politician, not a professor. You dumb this thing down. <laughs> I think it came out all right. <laughs> well, graduates, congratulations to you. You've studied hard. You earned another degree. You are masters of a subject. And with that mastery, of course, comes a great responsibility to, to work hard and now to go serve others and to start paying off those student loans. <laughs> when Father Terry and Mike Herndon first inquired as to whether I would allow my name for consideration for an honorary doctorate, uh, Mike Herndon will tell you, I was quite taken aback and unsure if I was worthy of this honor. I just have to tell you, I love Franciscan. I consider this the best Catholic university in America. As Franciscan, the mind and heart are free. The faith illumines the intellect. And the authentic quest for knowledge is truly alive. My time here gave me a deep reservoir of both intellectual and spiritual formation. And I draw upon that reservoir even today as I make difficult 
difficult decisions. I received so many wonderful gifts from this institution, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the most beautiful gift I received from the institution, the gift of my bride, my wife, Celeste. Would you join me in honoring Celeste as well? Celeste graduated in 1993. She won the Distinguished Award in Philosophy, and she became the editor of the university's press while I was actually entering graduate school here. Believe me, I found every conceivable, conceivable excuse that I could to visit the university's press. Um, Celeste and I will soon celebrate 15 years of marriage, uh, and we have five little girls. Um, a nun once told me, blessed are you among women. <laughs> We had fun. It's a little drama in the house occasionally, but we had a lot of fun. Now, as a congressman, of course, you're asked to speak on a variety of occasions, and I do so willingly and try to accommodate them as best I can. But uh, I did give a speech one time, and after I was done, uh, there had been a little girl in the audience, and she came up to me afterward, and she looked at me square in the eye and said, that was the longest, most boring talk I've ever heard. <laughs> So I, I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'll try to do better next time. Well, a little while later, I noticed there was a woman looking at me from across the room, and she cautiously approached me, and she said, Congressman, I saw my little girl talking to you. I'm sorry. She's at that awkward age. She just repeats everything she hears. <laughs> Seriously, in our short time together, I would like to give you some perspective on the state of politics, culture, and society, what you should do about it, and perhaps a bit of advice from what I've learned in my work. I consider it an extraordinary privilege to be a member of the United States Congress, in spite of the 11% approval rating in America. Only about 12,000 Americans have ever been entrusted with the responsibility to govern our nation. I am sworn to uphold the Constitution. And through the law, my job is to protect the rights, dignities, and responsibilities of the individual person, to create just structures and systems that bring about the common good, and guard the peace and security of our nation. Even as polarizing as politics has become, I consider public service to be a very high calling and an honorable and noble pursuit. America is founded on an extraordinary idea. It's an idea that is now so common, we don't even pause to reflect on it. The idea that the power to govern comes from the consent of the governed. And the idea, as it's found in the Declaration of Independence, that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all persons are created equal. All over the world, people are persecuted and are dying for a chance at these underpinnings of liberty. Now, we all know that our lived history as a people has not been ideal. For a long time in our country, we said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all persons are created equal, except if you were black. And it took a civil war and a hundred years civil rights struggle to fix that. We said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all persons are created equal except if you are a Native American. 
It took until 1870 a court case in Nebraska to recognize Native Americans, per Native Americans as persons with rights under the law. We hold these truths to be self-evident, except if you are a woman. It took until the first part of last century to give women the right to vote. And we hold these truths to be self-evident, except today, if you're an unborn person, vulnerable to the broken social paradigm of abortion, which has caused a deep wound in the soul of this country, and we have yet to fix that. But in spite of our flaws, our system of governance gives us the liberty and responsibility to change that which is in error, uphold that which is good for a more just society. Now, a significant challenge facing modern society is that we are living in a time of frenetic pace and change due to the advances in communications technologies. Non-stop and pervasive television, internet portals, Twitter and Facebook are constantly feeding us an exhausting barrage of information. A soft materialism reigns as the guiding force here. More is demanded, more changes, better answers, more money, and until the recent political backlash, more government. Yet with all of our advances, the world is still screaming for meaning. Each day presents some new crisis or confrontation. And the irony really is that there is a deep distrust of government, but a view that government is the singular answer to so many of our problems. We all carry the burden in our hearts that something is seriously amiss here. And with a little reflection, we can see that much of this is beyond the reach of government to actually fix. The ancient philosopher once said, let me hear the songs of a nation, and I don't have to see its laws. In other words, politics is downstream from the culture. In Nebraska, there's an organization called Boys and Girls Town. It was started decades ago by a priest named Father Flanagan. Boys Town cares for troubled teenagers. Teenagers who, a short period before, were standing before the judge, and the judge says, you're going to jail or Boys Town, you choose. Teenagers who show up there in the middle of the night who were put on the bus by a grandmother who just simply couldn't handle it anymore. Boys Town has a remarkable model of intervention. It's so successful that about 90% of the young people integrate successfully back into society. And even more impressively, about a third of the young people enter the military over time. A young person who was on the pathway to despair, destruction, or even death, a few short later, years later, is so filled with a renewed sense of self-possession that they willingly volunteer to serve our country, commit themselves to a mission, a code of honor, and, and the ideal of self-sacrifice. It's a remarkable turnaround. How does this happen? What is the leading edge model of psychological intervention that they use? Here it is. Boys Town puts the child in the care of a family with a loving, nurturing mother and a protective, 
giving father, where there are rules, discipline, expectation, and love. So you see, for America to regain her internal strength, we must understand the foundation, the foundational role of the transformative institutions of the culture, beginning with the family. The family is the most intimate form of community, and the strength of the nation truly depends upon the strength of the family. Other institutions that proclaim the faith, educate, promote civic virtue, and produce our narrative as a people, the media, film, art, and literature, make an immeasurable contribution for the good or for the ill health of our nation. And when you have a decline in these institutions, when they are fragmented, detached from truth, degraded, or used to stimulate curious interests, the government cannot spend enough, fast enough, to fill these voids. Our nation depends upon a vibrancy of culture for good upbringing, rational thought, and the development of personal responsibility. No enforcement measures of government or important social safety nets can adequately fill the void left by a decline of the culture. Let's take, take a step back for a moment and imagine. Imagine the institution of marriage is stable and revered. Imagine family life is vibrant where mothers and fathers work together in mutual interdependence and self-sacrifice. Children are loved. No one is abandoned. Imagine a film and art that is beautiful and heroic, lifting the heart to the transcendent ideals, the permanent things, where entertainment is both timeless and filled with hope. Imagine a vibrancy of faith institutions where priests and preachers and rabbis so love God's moral law that their pastoral duty compels them to act with great courage and great love. Imagine civic organizations dedicated to promoting citizenship, mutual respect, natural virtue, and fairness in business dealings. I believe if this were our culture, our wounds would begin to heal. Our vision of life's higher purpose would be restored and we would re regain a sense of ourselves as one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our government also would not be under such pressures to intervene in such a vast array of personal and institutional enterprises for which it can only have limited success. Now some of you have studied philosophy. You have studied the concept of the natural law. I believe the totality of the natural law can be summed up by answering this question. Where would you like to live? In a place where people lie, steal, and kill? Or in a place where people are trustworthy, good, and free? It's self-evident. As I was preparing to leave Steubenville, one of my close friends gathered a group of us around him, a number of guys who 
studied together, hung out together. Some of us lived together right over here on Wellesley Street. He had been, this man had been a New York stockbroker. He was very successful. He was Hollywood handsome. He had a very attractive personality. He had decided to leave it all and become a priest. And he gathered us all together and he pointed to each one of my friends and he says, I'll go first, I'll go. But you come next, and you come next, and you come next. But then he got to me, and he said, but you, you need to go back to the world. He had this discernment skill to know that my vocation was different, and I knew he was right, that my call, my future personal struggle, my mission was in a different realm. Now most of you graduates are now armed with very good degrees from an excellent school, with friendships formed for life in virtue. Now it's time to leave this beautiful place of peace and intellectual rigor and go back to the world as well. It's tough, I have to tell you. It can rough you up. You will be disappointed. You will get hurt. But you must not shirk from the fight. Embrace the responsibility. Lean into the challenge. I'm confident you're prepared to do it. Through patient endurance, with prudence and courage, work steadily to build this culture of life, of goodness, of joy, of hope. Your work as teachers, as catechists, as counselors, as business professionals, maybe even some of you as politicians, come see me afterwards so I can change your mind about that. <laughs> does have profound social implications for great good. Just ask yourself, where do you want to live? Pray for that place. Work for that place. Fight for that kind of place. I know you can do it. God bless you all. God bless America. An initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com Be transformed by the renewal of your mind.